Dalton takes a shotgun snap. Quick throw. Caught by Green. It is a touchdown. Adriel Jeremiah Green. Hello and welcome to episode 106 of Cincinnati, the Bengals UK podcast that has a bit of a spring in its step today. Yes, the Bengals beat the Titans, an upset victory, 31-20 at PBS yesterday. And, uh, well, it makes things a little bit better, doesn't it, really? It makes the week uh, a whole lot better, in fact, uh, after... Your team wins, and uh, what a victory it was last night. A really fantastic uh, win against a good quality team. My name's Paul Hirons, and with me to discuss last night and lots more is Nathan Palmer. Hello, Nathan. My I haven't felt like this in a while, I'll tell you that much. Have you? You've been, is, oh, it, no, is, got, it, is it like a virgin? Have you been touched for the very first time? I feel, I feel warm. I feel Ooh. excited. I yeah. feel like I've got some energy. Yeah. I feel like I'm, for the first time in a long time, and that's a big win, isn't it? Yeah, it like, really It's a is. big win. That. You can go and beat the the Jags and the Raiders and the, all of those boys, but when you turn over a good team that's you know was unbeaten until the week before at home, quite convincingly, I think, I all of a sudden you think, shit, that's that's a big deal on it I'm, I'm really really excited by that and it's been a long time coming so yeah absolutely overjoyed with it it has been a long time coming but do would you agree with me that this i mean the offense for the past three weeks has been doing this really against good good defenses so the fact that we managed to put it away last night was obviously the real turning point and um just a fantastic all-round performance, I think. And that's the thing that's been a long time coming, I think, the all-round performance. Uh, not ju- As I say, the offence has been racking at points left, right, right and centre. But, um, you know, the defence, you know, you're never going to stop Derek Henry completely. You've just got to limit him, which is what we did last night, even though I think he got over 100 yards. You're never going to stop someone like Lamar Jackson completely, but you can limit him. And that's what we did. We made enough plays on on the defensive side of the ball. I mean, it got a little bit hairy towards the end, um, but they they managed to see it out, didn't they? They absolutely did. And the offense just carried on from where it was last week. And I know we lost last week and it was a heartbreaker. But on this podcast and across Twitter, I really got the vibe that people felt like we turned the corner a bit last week. There was a real sense of positivity around the fan base of how good that offense looked. And they just kept scoring and they absolutely just took off from last week. It was such a good performance on offense. It just, every time Joe boy dropped back, he just felt like that completion was coming. And even last night when the Titans came back towards the end and you started panicking a bit and you started thinking, Oh God, we've seen this before. I love the confidence of them. They went down the field. They weren't trying to run clock. They weren't trying to sort of, you know, run the ball three times, make the Titans use their timeouts, pump the ball back, rely on the defense. They were just saying, let's go and score again. Like, we we can do that. We'll just go and score again. And they did. And I just, it really, for me, 
really showed that the team felt like they were confident on offense and that they, there was a bit of a changing in the guard there of like, we can do this now. I think last week was a real step forward for them. And I think this week they really executed it. And I think for Zach Taylor, I think for Joe Burrow, I think for this team, it's a win that they desperately needed and it'll mean a lot in that locker room. In Deedy Weedy, um, we have got Sports Illustrated and Locked On Bengals James Rapine coming up to talk to us in a little while. We've got another episode of First and Ten, so there's lots to look forward to. But we, we you know, when the Bengals are down in the dumps, we do, we do tend to um, bring out the Bengals' wheel of misfortune. But today. We're going to bring out, it's quite rare this actually, probably rarer than the Wheel of Misfortune, it's the Wheel of Fortune. Are you ready, Nathan? Mate, I'm like a pig in muck today. I'll roll around in all of it. (laughs) Okay, roll around in this. Well, let's see what the Wheel of Bengals fortune gives us first. <laughs> oh, how you know, I've I lo- missed I love that. we've used the same tone. I love we've not got the budget for anything bigger, but I'm, I'm happy with that because I didn't think the, the noise signified just a bad tone so i'm glad it's been used in a positive light the old digital roulette wheel exactly and uh, you're right there's no budget to get to have two wheels one for misfortune and one for fortune but as soon as you drop the miss from misfortune uh, it does take on a bit of a jauntier little wiggle doesn't it really that that little <laughs> sound effect uh first up is the offensive line what a performance from a complete makeshift unit. And, uh, I mean, when you went into the weekend, I, I couldn't even look at the news coming out. I mean, it was bad enough anyway. When you had guys going down on the day and you got some, you know, you got Quentin Spain who's been brought in on the Friday in the practice squad. The geezer's out there early Sunday protecting your franchise quarterback in Joe Burrow. And incredible, absolutely incredible. And, do you know what I would disregard? Those PFF grades of 40 or 50 that have been given out today, which you see, mm. I, I don't get PFF. I don't get it. Because we've, we've sat there slagging off the offensive line when they've given up eight, nine sacks of Joe Burrow and they get positive grades. And last night they keep him clean. There's not one sack. And they're in the 50s. These guys have got virtually no preparation. They don't know each other. There's no chemistry there. And they've literally not had one sack on Joe Burrow. So take those grades out the window incredible performance and resilience and toughness to come in like that and play well and get a win against a good team. You, you can't ask any more than that. And it, I think that the, the current starters that are out, they've got to be looking over their shoulders. And that, that's what you want on a team is some depth and some people stepping up when it matters. So an absolutely fantastic performance, I think. Yeah, I agree. And it's, it's sort of a bit of a head scratcher, isn't it? It's like, oh, how the hell have they done that? Because... I was expecting us to lose this game. I was, you know, I, I thought with a with a with a full complement of, of offensive linemen and defensive linemen, we'd certainly give them a game because I say the offense has been really rolling. But there was no way that you could expect this level of competency from, you know, Hakeem Adenogy, a rookie six rounder, 
Quinton Spain, well, Shaq Calhoun first, but then then uh, then Quinton Spain was brought in, as you say, you know, only got into Cincinnati on Friday, probably just passed his COVID test on the Sunday morning or something ridiculous. I don't know. Um, Geezer probably don't know any of his teammates' names. You know what no, I mean? He's just right. like... Yeah, absolutely. It's crazy, isn't it? And then you had Billy Price, who played well when he came in the week before. Uh, you had Alex Redman, who's been doing okay. And then Big Fred at right tackle in his, frankly, rightful position. He's not a guard at all. He's he's a tackle. Um, I was trying to figure out how they did it. How did they do this? And I did notice they, you know, Burrow was... was uh, quality quality offensive line coaching, my son. Well, I was going to say, well, first of all, I noticed that they're in shotgun for quite a lot, so that takes a little yeah. bit of pressure off. And the Burrow, that was obviously the game plan, to get the ball out of Burrow's hands quickly from shotgun to, you know, to kind of give the offensive line a chance. Um, but even when, when he did have to kind of hang around in the pocket a little bit, there were... There were plays that they, you know, they managed to protect for like five, six seconds, and it was just like, what is going on here? Um, so I think there's, it was... one fourth, there's, there's one fourth down play yesterday where Joe Burrow was dancing around in the pocket, and he was probably upright for five or six seconds. It felt like, and then hit T Higgins downfield for a, a fantastic throw completion. And you're looking at that, and you're like, how are these guys doing this? Like you said, they're just a complete mishmash of players. I don't think there's one starter on that line. Incredible job. Absolutely incredible yeah, job. Yeah, absolutely. And just, I think, you know, there was obviously a game plan. And for the second straight week, you have to take your hats off and say that was perfectly game planned, um, certainly offensively. Uh, as I say, lots of shotgun. I was reading our old friend Matt Minnick today and said that he noticed Hakeem Adenergy in, in, in jump sets, which is basically engaging with the, with the defensive lineman a lot quicker than you would in other kind of sets. Um, so I think that all went into, I think, coaching, game plan, and then execution. It was just, And of course, as you say, the fact that Burrow is able to extend plays. And goodness me, didn't he yesterday? That, As you say, that, that throw down the sideline when he escaped the pocket and several uh, would-be sackers and threw down to T Higgins, who toe-tapped down the sideline, was just incredible. And then, of course, on that third down, he didn't get the first down, but that amazing kind of Houdini act where he kind of escaped oh, the incredible. clutches of around three or four defenders. And, yeah, OK, look, the Titans are not famed for their pass rush, but you look at the players on that team. Jadeveon Clowney, Jeffrey Simmons, I completely forgot they signed Vic Beasley, and they've got yeah. Harold Landry as well, who I was big on out of the draft a couple of years ago. So it's kind of like... Wow, well, they're underperforming for a start. But B, it's like, you know, there's some quality names there and quality talent, albeit underperforming. But we we sort of, you know, just about nullified them. You know, yes, there were a few false starts, which you expect with a line that's never played together before. But that was just like literally two or even three times at maximum. That's incredible. So, do, you yeah. know, do you know what I say about the line as well? I don't remember one holding penalty yesterday, and correct me if I was wrong, but there, it's certainly, you talk about the full starts, there was a couple, but there wasn't bad play, there wasn't constant you know, holding penalties, dragging us back to first and 20s, second and 15s and stuff. It was disciplined play. And for a unit that's never played together, guys that literally are coming off the street, don't know the playbook, I, I was absolutely stunned by it. And, 
either, I mean, we'll get on to Joe Boy later, but it's exciting because Quinton Spain's ours now. We've got him. He's on the team. There's no reason he's going anywhere anytime soon. And I'm excited to see what he's got. So for the offensive line, big steps forward, it feels like. Yeah, I think Spain is, uh, you can see it straight away, his experience. And that's probably why he was able to settle in. He was a six-year vet. You know, yeah. the verbiage, as the Americans like to say, is different for each team, but the concepts are more or less the same. So he yeah. called all, on all his experience and, you know, he's. I think he's an immediate upgrade. Whether he goes in instead of Mike Jordan or Alex Redmond, I don't know. I don't care, frankly. Um, stick him in. And, you know, Hakeem Adenergy, I don't think will start because Jonah will come back in. You know, they like Bobby Hart, but... You know, I do think Fred has got talent on at the tackle position, so it's going to be interesting. But the big thing, the big question is, uh, what do you do with Billy Price? I mean, I think I said yeah. at the start of this season, one of my bold predictions would be that Billy Price would be starting by mid-season. Um, he's not quite that at the moment, but he pl- he has he played well when he came in last week. He played well yesterday. He got a game ball, and you could see it on his face what that meant to him. Uh, you know, it's going to be you know interesting going forward. You know, what do you do with Hopkins and Price? Do you, do you start Billy Price at centre, which is the position that he was drafted f- for? Uh, do you shove Hopkins out to guard? I don't know. It's, it's there's competition and actually depth there if you add in BJ Finney from the Seahawks as well. Yeah, I was going to say about BJ Finney. It's exciting for the offensive line because I think. My biggest concern coming into the season was the lack of depth. You had some guys that you were hoping did well, like Jonah and people like Michael Jordan taking a step forward, Bobby Hart taking a step forward. But it was behind that that you really were worried about the depth. And you brought in a guy, an experienced vet, like you said, Quinton Spain, who is an excellent sign-in for the line. You've got BJ Finney come in, who's got some experience, who's at the Steelers, he knows the AFC North. So there's some really good guys there. And you, someone like Billy Price, like Jesus Christ, like we're desperate for him to come on. He was a first-round pick. You really hoped he could be the answer there, and he really hasn't been so far. So for him to take steps forward and have some good games as well is fantastic. So as you said, competition, depth, they're all things that this line has not had for a long time. And dare I say it, for a few weeks now, the line has felt better. You know, we were tearing our hair out three or four weeks ago, and it all seemed like a bit of a lost cause. But remarkably... We're sitting here now in a much, much better position. So, fantastic. Uh, yeah, absolutely. And if the offensive line can stay consistent then and you give someone like Joe Burrow time, as we did yesterday, it shows you what you can do, you know. And uh, it's the offence is exciting. We hoped it would be. And it has been for the past, you know, several weeks. You know, it was a bit sticky to begin with at the first couple of weeks of the season, but... You know, it's been scoring points. You know, it's been March. I I just get the feel that they they just they they think this offense, not just the offensive line, but this offense, can just march down the field at will. That's what it looks Absolutely. like. That's what it looks like. It really does. Right, let's get on to I, our next subject, shall we? Let's do it, my son. Right, right. Uh, it's Giovanni Bernard. Now, um, as much as uh, you know, Mixon is a good running back. Gio's played really well 
in the last couple of games. Um, is there a running back controversy brewing, do you think? Don't you try and, don't you try and bait me on I'm that. I'm baiting you. I'm, so, I'm so put, I'm just so casting that, that you, you know, bait you know, I'm like I'm like a pig <laughs> rolling about in muck at the moment. Don't you dare drag me out of the muck. Well, I think um, it's interesting, isn't it? Because I think we mentioned that um, earlier, this offence doesn't quite know what it wants to be at the moment. Um, you know, it was striving for balance. That's the traditional way, run, pass, nice balance. They couldn't really run the ball that well, and Joe Burrow was throwing for 60 times uh, a, a game, which is sounds ridiculous. But do you know what? I was listening to Paul Downey Jr. today on, on Hear That Podcast Growling, and he said, maybe this is what this team is. It is a passing team, and that's yeah. it. And that's absolutely fine. As long as you know what that identity is, you can have... Uh, you can have plays designed for that. And it's not just kind of chucking it down the field 30, 40, 50 yards. It's about the screen game. It's about the kind of little slant routes. It's a little dinky routes, just almost like extensions of the run game, basically, but in pass form. Um, and I think Gio is actually hugely suited to that game. You know, he's great. I mean, yesterday, again, he was great in pass protection and blitz pickups. Uh, he was very dynamic, catching passes. He ran, I believe, for, let me have a look, 62 yards, 4.1 yards of carry, so that's pretty decent. Um, you know, and I think, I think, I think that's the way, the way to go, really, because this is that, this is the team's strength, and I think they've, they found it. They have found it. I, I think the Bengals have been guilty of running Joe Mixon to try and get him going rather than because it suits their game plan. And I think the last two weeks they've been a little bit more, as you mentioned, open to just being like, right, we're not going to force the run here to get it going for the sake of it. We know we're down some linemen. We know that Gio is not the sort of running back that's going to take 25 carries a game. And it's worked. And the offense, the, the Bengals offense the last two weeks is the most dominant I've seen it two weeks in a row for years, mm. for years. It just looks so... Con there was times last night, whereas normally I'm on the edge of my seat, fingernails, biting, drinking beer nervously. I was quite relaxed because I just felt that they had that balance to it. Whenever Joe Burrow dropped back, even in the run game, it, yeah, there's some negative plays, but it just felt like there was a bit of movement there. You get four, you get five, you lose one. It just, it just felt a little bit more like it was moving. And... I think Joe, um, Joe Mixon's a good player and he will have a big part to play in this offense when he comes back. But I think if they've learned anything from the last two weeks, it's to balance the offense a bit more with the running game. And Joe Mixon, before he went out on injury, the Bengals were the highest team in the NFL giving the percentage of rushing carries to one guy in Joe Mixon. They really weren't using Geo. They certainly weren't using um, P. Ryan. And I think that they've learned their lesson there that... You, they want to keep Mixon happy. They've paid him a lot of money. He's a very, very talented player. But Gio is probably the better blocker. He offers you something different. I think he's a bit more dynamic. Mixon's a bit more of a bruiser between the tackles sort of guy. He's still good in the pass game. Like I said, he's a good player. But I think it. I don't think there's a controversy there. I don't think that Gio is going to by any way supplant Mixon. But I think it shows that there's a, there definitely is balance there. I mean. 
Gio's going to put up three touchdowns in his two weeks he's been there. Joe Mixon, as good as he is, has struggled to score touchdowns. If you look at him last year and this year, for whatever reason, he hasn't put up as many touchdowns as you'd like compared with good running backs across the league. So, yeah, I think there's a balance to be had there. I hope we see more of Gio Bernard because he's certainly stepped up and yesterday ran behind that line, which was obviously completely makeshift. And did a good job. So hats off to him. Yeah, I agree. Everyone loved Gio. We've loved him from the start. And, you know, he's obviously been on this program a few times. Brilliant guy. But I still think he's a really good player. And uh, we've said it before. Yeah. I think he's been a bit underused. But that's not to say. I mean, what a, I, mean, I think they can use both. You know, Mixon was yeah, a, I agree. a quality pass-catching running back uh, out of college. They need to line him up in the slot. I mean, yesterday you saw all kinds of shifts, more shifts and motions from especially Drew Sample. I thought Drew Sample had a good game yesterday, but he didn't actually catch any balls, I don't think. But he was constantly on the move on that line. Uh, Geo as well, lining up at receiver, coming back into the backfield. Those sort of shifts make defensive ner defenses nervous, you know, and I think Mixon can do that as well. He needs to start off in the backfield, then go out into the slot and catch balls and all the rest of it. So I'm excited to see how they can use, because I do, as I say, I do think they've kind of, whether by luck or by design, um, come on to this identity. They found some sort of identity, and that is very much a passing uh, team, you know, and they're just kind of scything through. They're just marching down every. I mean, how yeah. many times did Huber punt last week? Was it none? It, uh, yeah, I think so. Yeah, yeah. And how many times did he punt this week? Once, and even then, he he, he pinned good old hoops. He pinned pinned them back right at the end of the game in, inside their their two yard line. So that just shows you, man. There's 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 some chemistry. The chemistry's better. Um, all sorts of things going on on the offense. It's it really is fun to watch at the moment. Completely agree. And one thing I'll say for Gio Bernard as well, unrelated to his on the field performance, when he came out after the game last week, there was all this controversy surrounding Carlos Dunlap. I don't think anyone put it better than him in his support for Zach Taylor, his support for the team, his support for the guys in the locker room. I thought it was so articulate, so well thought through, and it really showed that. You know, there's more to come from this team. And I, the Bengals, I think, were on the verge of a bit of a meltdown with a few guys behind the scenes, with John Ross complaining, Dunlap complaining. <laughs> the Bengals weren't winning games. You kind of felt like Zach Taylor was really in a lot of trouble. And I think those guys to rally round him, in particular Gio Bernard, has led to this win. And you've got to give a lot of credit to the players there for backing up their head coach, and not only doing it verbally, but doing it on the field as well. So full credit to Gio there. Well, that, uh, yeah, indeed. Let's let's call up our next, see what the wheel of fortune has to give us this time. Well, there's a perky little number there, and it is the locker room. So that leads neatly on to what you were saying. Uh, Dunlap's gone. We asked last week who was advising him, uh, and the answer is Drew Rosenhaus. And, of course, Drew Rosenhaus's clients include the likes of Antonio Brown, 
and whatnot. And they just look. I think that's that's the way that he advises his players. If you want out of a team, you've got to create chaos. Um, it's the only way that you're going to force yourself out of a situation. And you saw sort of more the real Carlos, I think, uh, when he left. You know, thanking the team and thanking the club and thanking Mike Brown, etc., etc. He obviously had an issue with the coaches. And then, of course, there was this whole thing with John Ross, I think, Friday night, wasn't it? Um, I thought that was ridiculously overblown, I have to say. Um, it was a guy that hasn't been playing, and frankly, quite rightly, hasn't been playing. Uh, and he's going to be angry. I think anybody would be if, if for some reason, you know, you haven't been selected. Uh, Carlos too, and you can argue against the reasons uh, perhaps why Carlos wasn't playing and John Ross even, but, you know, I I just felt that it was ridiculously overblown. I just thought, come on, Bengals fans, just reading Twitter, it was just overreaction completely on Friday night. And, uh, you know, it, I think it is just best to get rid of these guys because... Uh, they don't want to be there. They're disgruntled. They're ob- they obviously don't fit into what the coaches are trying to do, for good or for bad, you know. And I have to say, I think wherever you stand on the coaches, you can find something in this whole locker room story to fit your particular narrative. Do you know what I mean? If you're against Zach Taylor and you don't rate him, you don't like Jim Turner, etc., etc. Or Lou Anarumu, you can find an angle within all this uh, locker room disquiet uh, to suit your particular narrative. If you're not a fan of Mike Brown uh, or the front office and the way they've dealt with things over the years, you will have found an angle to suit you. If you're a fan of Carlos in particular, you definitely would have found it found an angle. I just think it's sort of. It's quite a nuanced situation, you know, new coaching staff, they couldn't quite believe what was what they saw here, I don't think. Again, reading Paul Dana Jr. and listening to various podcasts, there was uh, questions of attitude and effort which the previous regimes just put up with because, again, like we said last week, because they were winning and winning tends to cover a lot of things, cover over a lot of things, uh, and they didn't like what they saw. And... Um, they challenge them, but, you know, you are always going to get some players who are used to a particular style of coaching, used to a particular way of doing things. Suddenly they're not top dog anymore. You're going to be angry and, you know, your ego is going to take a massive hit, you know. So I'm I'm OK with Carlos Dirk going. I was, I was actually quite emotional when he left. You know, he has been with us for 10 years and done really good things. But, you know, he obviously wanted to go. John Ross, I mean... You wish him well. He's a great guy, lovely fella, but he's just not done it on the field, bar from a few flashes. Weirdly, he had his most successful season in the NFL under Zach Taylor last year. So it's not as if, you know, Zach hasn't given him a chance. But I just think that drop catch in that San Diego, first game against San Diego, and it was a drop catch. It was went straight through his hands and it should have been caught. Uh, that was sort of the straw that broke the camel's back, really. So... Don't know. It's uh, it's tricky, one. It? It's obviously change hurts, Nathan. I think. I agree. I I think with Carlos, I think for all Bengals fans, and this extends to John Ross, 
no one likes to see uh, see stuff go public. And I agree with you with Drew Rosenhaus. I don't know if he's John Ross's agent, and that sort of goes across the two of them. I don't believe he is, but either way, you don't like seeing dirty laundry aired. And I think for fans, when you're not winning games and the Bengals haven't won a lot of games. They won yesterday in a fantastic game, but prior to that, they hadn't. And people starting to question the coaching staff. And I think when the two go hand in hand, it gives, as you said, people more ammunition. And I think it's fair ammunition because that's stuff that you see when teams aren't winning games. We've not won games for two years. That's the first win I can remember us winning where I've been buzzing off my nut for about, probably since we were in the brew house celebrating the game against the (laughs) Buccaneers where we were all running around when Randy Bullock nailed that field goal. Like, that was a really warming win where I was like, that's a good win, that. I didn't necessarily expect that. You know, it was a bit of a toss-up, but a good win against a good team. And when you when you see some disconnect and you see players like Carlos coming out on Twitter and doing all these silly Instagram lives or whatever he did, and John Ross even tweeting about some stuff, you got reputable sources like Elise who we had on the podcast saying that there's some problems there. You believe them. And I do think it's there's some responsibility to be taken there, be it from the coaching staff or from the front office. And it's difficult to know internal politics as to who's in responsible for that. For all we know, the coaching staff could be saying, look, we didn't want Carlos at the start of the season. We didn't think he was a fit. We think he, we should look to trade him. And the front office might have said, look, we paid this guy. He's been a leader here. He's been a good player here for a long time. We want to keep him. So you don't know what's going on there and you don't know how that's bubbled up. But there is some responsibility on the coaching staff and on the front office. I don't know how much you assign to each. And I think for something to go public like that, you do have to acknowledge that. We can't just put all of this on Carlos. The fact that he's had to resort to that to get out, which unfortunately worked and there's probably a reason that true rosenhouse is the known agent out there because he's got carlos a trade to the four, uh to the seahawks who for me look like one of the top two three teams for the super bowl so if you're carlos dunlap you've got what you need seattle's a beautiful city you're out of cincinnati you're on to better things so it's a difficult one but for the bengals for the future fantastic We've moved on. We've shipped off a lot of money from the salary cap. We've got a rotational piece for the offensive line. We've got a seventh-round pick, which, you know, nothing outrageous. But, again, let's look to build off of that. We can use it as draft capital to trade up or whatever. For the locker room, it's great. And that win for the locker room will do absolute wonders. Zach Taylor will be absolutely – I wouldn't be surprised if Zach Taylor put away a bottle of champagne last night (laughs) because – he, he's won some games in the past where he's given out these game balls and they've been token wins. Two wins at the back end of last season when you won two games won't mean a lot. That game against Cleveland won't mean a lot. The Jags game this year would have meant something to him. He should have won it. He needed to win it. But this is a game that really, really showed progress and potential. And that poll I do every week about should Zach go, should he stay – the last three or four weeks, it's been about 70%. Last week, it went down to 65 This week, 25%. Yeah. 25% of people saying Zach should go. The rest saying, look, we give him some more time, we'll keep him. And that shows you, I think, in the last week, just how much fans have rallied behind him with this Carlos thing and the locker room thing. And it, it, it's been an absolutely massive change and shift in the locker room there. And I think it's a it may signify the future for the Bengals. So yeah, big, big move on there. 
The, the only things I want to say about this, um, John Ross was responding to a tweet. That's where all this controversy happened on Friday night. I think a local Cincinnati journalist, was it Jeremy Rouch, kind of said, yeah. quoted some sources saying from inside the Bengals lo- locker room, the coach is saying that, you know, asking, well, questioning his love for football, basically. So if you were a player, yeah. you're going to respond to that, right? It's a public slagging off. Um, so you're going to respond to it. So I don't blame him for that. But my point is, Bengals fans see that on Twitter and they just think, oh my God, we're a dysfunctional. No, it's one player. It is one player. And yes, at least what Elise said a couple of weeks ago was worrying. But you look at the players she mentioned, they're all old, they're all Marvin's guys, you know, pretty much. Um, uh, but there's, as you mentioned, Gio. Gio is the prime example of this. He was demoted pretty much when Mixon came along. Did he moan? Did he bitch? No, he carried on. Auden Tate uh, liked a tweet of Carlos Dunlap's, and I think he sort of, and he was a bit disgruntled earlier on the season when he was kind of uh, on the inactive list a few weeks. But he didn't really moan publicly. He buckled down, and he had a terrific game yesterday. The way he stretched for oh, mate. some of those first downs was just incredible. And of course, that another leaping salmon-like catch uh, to really it was a game icer really on that third yep. down. I think yep. it was. So these players, you know, yes, they've got social media as a tool, but I would say they're a handful of players on a 53-man-plus practice squad roster. You're always going to get disgruntled players in a, in a locker room. So I've always tried to take it with a pinch of salt. I agree, it's not a good look when players come out and start slagging the team off. But, you know, who wouldn't if you're not playing, basically? That's that's my... It's, it's like you said earlier. It's, it's massively exasperated by if you win or lose. If we were five and two... I mean, we, we could be... I mean, we say this every single week. We could have five wins now easily. We could maybe even have six. We've been that close in these games. And if you're five, six wins in and you've got Carlos having a moan he's not playing on Twitter, you laugh it off and you say good goodbye, son. But I think when you aren't winning games, you read into it more and there's potentially reasons as to why that could be but I think we are a very I think we are a very anxious fan base I have to say <laughs> but, I think we have reason to be <laughs> yeah no I agree I agree and but just watching uh Mike Vrabel's post-match interviews today the 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 the, the Nashville Tennessee press were I mean they're five and one and they're giving him hell in the press conference you know in the zoom conversation it was Quite uh, astonishing. I will say this about Zach Taylor's... Oh, I will say this about Jeremy Rouch's tweet. It was deleted. I don't know what to make of that. Uh, maybe the, the club had a bit of a word and said, this is nonsense, or what the hell are you doing, or I don't know. Um, I will say this about Zach Taylor. In the last 10 games, he's 4-5-1. and one. It's a good stat, that is. Which, uh, it came, that came out to... I think, again, that was Jeremy, actually, Jeremy Rouch. We should get him on, actually. Um... And that puts a bit of perspective on things, a new perspective on things. Um, so that, to me, is progress. And certainly the last couple of games have been progress. So, you know. We, we also, in that 10-run stretch, haven't played many bad teams. We've played the Jags, you've played the Browns twice, you've played <laughs> um, the Ravens. There's yeah. some decent teams in there. Obviously, the Titans yesterday. So it's not like he's got 4-5-1 and one against a really rough stretch of teams. So... I'm excited to see what the Bengals do against this run we've got coming up. You know, it's going to be, yeah, you know, yeah. take the Steelers out of the way. There's some very winnable games there at home against the Cowboys, at home against the Giants. You know, I'm, 
that's where you want to see these boys just put away teams and really sort of emphasize that progress. So I have this down as a loss. Um, and, you know, a couple of games, you know, I don't know. Yeah. I, they're still on course to finish about if they win all those winnable, winnable games, you know, it's obviously projecting ahead and they've still got to play well. But if this offense continues to play well like it has done, there's no reason why they're not putting up 30 points against the Giants, the Redskins, the Dolphins, although the Dolphins are actually <laughs> playing pretty well at the they're moment. They're decent, aren't they? Yeah. Uh, and the Cowboys, which again, you would not have guessed uh, at the start of the season. I had them pegged as a Super Bowl ca- uh, contender. But yeah, yeah. That is a winnable game for me now. Um, so if they could get another sort of four or five wins and really give Bolt up, they'll be steaming against the Ravens when they come back. They'll be absolutely yeah. steaming. Um, but, you know, it's just the defence, isn't it? If they can, you know, they played well yesterday. Um, let's see what they do. Uh, in the second half of the season. I think we've got one more category left on spin the wheel. Thank you, Wheel. We're going to have to put you away for another time, I think. Um, Now, we could talk about Jesse Bates, the best safety in the NFL, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, We could talk about Von Bell having his best game in Bengals stripes without a shadow of a doubt. We could talk about Logan Wilson having a sack. Um, We could talk about uh, William Jackson having a very good game against AJ Brown, one of their major threats. I mean, we could talk about his tackling a little bit, but it's certainly in coverage. He was excellent. But there's only one person that we can talk about last up. It's Joe Burrow. This is what the wheel of fortune has has sprung up. Um, Pete Schrager on Good Morning Football today says he's going to the Pro Bowl. Um, he's top three in the AFC. Uh, he's just, I mean, he's he's good. He's really good, isn't he? <laughs> he's really, really good. He's phenomenal, and he's come on. He's better now than he was a few weeks ago. That's the key thing for me. Is he looks even better. He's he's learning from his mistakes. And on the broadcast yesterday, I think they were talking about one of the sacks that he took a week or two ago. And one of the broadcasters said that Zach Taylor said to them in the pregame meetup that he won't take that sack again because he's so quick at learning. And you can see that. He just looks like he's figuring stuff out very quickly. His pocket presence is getting better. His throws are just so accurate. There was a few balls he put in there yesterday that couldn't have been better thrown. Right in the right windows. I mean, the boy threw to Tyler Boyd when Boyd was like spinning around and just dropped it in the basket. You know, Tyler Boyd probably had 0.001 seconds to make any sort of reaction to that catch. Didn't need to. It was right in his basket. Put his hands out. It's straight in there. It was a phenomenal performance that I haven't seen for the Bengals since Carson Palmer is absolute peak. I can't ever remember Andy Dalton. Andy Dalton played really well for the Bengals at times. I'm not going to take that away from Andy. He was a very, very good quarterback when he played well and he had some good supporting cast. But I'm not sure I've seen this level of command and confidence of an offense that we're seeing from Joe Burrow at the moment with players missing. He's got some good supporting cast on the wide receiver side. I actually think that's a bit understated. He's got some fantastic weapons. T. Higgins, 
uh, Tyler Boyd, AJ Green, phenomenal. Alden Tate as well. You have to put Alden Tate in there. Phenomenal weapons for him. But he's basically playing without an established tight end at the moment. Drew Samples, second-year player, hasn't perhaps lived up to that second-round billing. Missing CJ Uzama, missing Joe Mixon, missing his entire offensive line. Still going out there against a very good team and just tearing them to pieces. I thought he was phenomenal yesterday. Yeah, I'm with you, and I just just re-emphasise the accuracy of this guy. Some of the windows that he was throwing in were just outrageous. the The tightness of those windows were just ridiculous. There was a there was a there was a pass to AJ Green that, you know, five inches either side of AJ Green, it would have either been intercepted or you know AJ wouldn't have been able to get it. You know, again, that pass to Tyler Boyd. I mean, you have to credit Tyler Boyd on that one. I mean, he spun around. He was actually being held on that route. Um, and he somehow managed to spin around and catch it with kind of on his left arm and shoulder. Miraculous catch. But again, the ball was perfect. That ball on th- the size of his bollocks are just unbelievable. I mean, we're talking. They're watermelons. They're big, juicy things with so much heft and <laughs> those, density. Those, like, massive helium balloons. <laughs> what are you know, those massive things in World War One that used to fly about? He's got a pair of zeppelins between his legs. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, the guys. Oh man! I mean, to throw that up to Auden Tate at the end of the game when you know things were a little bit dicey. We should, you know, Von Bell intercepted uh, Ryan Tannehill, and it was you know Carl Lawson again had lined up in the neutral zone on offsides, and it was just like, oh, here we go. But uh, that pass to Auden Tate, yes, Auden Tate made a spectacular grab. But, you know, there was only one place to throw that ball, and he did it. He's just he's just remarkable, and, you know, I think he's going to be the next Ken Anderson for us. I really do. Uh, yeah. I mean, obviously, he's still only like, what, what is he now? Eight games into his first season. But, you know, he's got the accuracy of Ken Anderson, um, uh, which is saying something, really. And, uh, you know, long you know may it did, continue. Do you, know, do you know what he did do yesterday? What? One of those Zeppelins was in my mouth. Hey? Was at the end, he threw a shocking pass at the end. Well, he and did, that yeah. Geezer, that geezer picked it off. But, like, that geezer should have taken it to the house, and that would have been nasty. Yeah. And he got let off on a bit of a, a bit of a fortunate. And you never say this as a Bengals fan, but we got a bit of a fortunate. We did, and we reduced some luck. Defensive holding. Because that was but, never DPR. Was it DPR holding? I can't, it was Malcolm Butler and AJ it was, Green. I think it was holding. But, I mean, it was one of those... That, Probably wasn't necessarily wrong, but it was. It was. I mean, they probably happen every single play, give or take. And I think that you love them when they go for you, but you'd be fuming if it was the other way around. So, yeah. I mean, I mean, I'm, I'm obviously not knocking Joe Boy for that, but um, yeah, he, he did. He did. He did. One of those zeppelins was firmly in my mouth at one point yesterday. Like, what do you mean? Yeah. Wow. Well, sounds like quite a night around yours last night, Nathan. Um, <laughs> We better leave it there. Let's bring in James Rapine, shall we? And as promised, uh, I did say that our old friend James Rapine, who has not been on for a while because he's he's been up to Cleveland, he's come back down again. He does he writes the Sports Illustrated. He he's co-host of the brilliant Locked On Bengals podcast. I, I'd see his name popping up on the Bengals Brawl podcast now. 
Um, James Rapine, welcome back. Thanks for having me. I'm, I'm excited to be back. I'm excited to, to certainly be back in Cincinnati, like we were saying before you hit record. So it's, uh, it's good to be here. Um, how do you do it? How do you fit everything in? That's the question. That, that's the forget the team and whatever. How do you fit everything in? I'm, I'm in awe of your work ethic and your your time management. I guess something. Maybe you could talk Marvin a few things about time management. But um. <laughs> yeah, I uh, you just got you work really hard, and I, I think that there were many years and days and nights that that I wanted to to be doing this and wanted to be in this position and. Um, not, not that I, I feel like I've made it by any stretch, but covering a, a, an NFL team, there's only 32 of them. And to cover one in your hometown is certainly special. So uh, I, I don't take it for granted. And, and I, I just hope to, no matter how long I do it, whether it's a year or 20 years or 50 years, uh, I hope that when I look back on it, I, I say, look, I, I've given it everything I could give it. And so that's, that was my mindset when I took this role with uh, Sports Illustrated in April. And uh, that's just kind of what I, I've been doing ever since. Well, you're doing a fine job, James. Uh, you really are, and we're thank you, we're thankful for your uh, coverage over here. We're very well served with media, and uh, you do a fine job. Uh, the team won yesterday. Uh, you've slept on it. You've been talking about the, the win and the team all day, no doubt, with with Jake on Locked On and uh, Tony Pike on Bengals Brawl, and you've been writing about it. Um, what, what's your kind of impressions of that win sort of 24 hours after it happened? They really needed it. And, and it goes without saying, right, when they're 1-5-1. and one. But I, I mean, I, I think from a, a mental standpoint, they needed it. Because uh, specifically the offense, I think the offense felt like they should have won the past two games after that Ravens game. And they'd responded the right way and their quarterback was playing at a really high level. And as a, a coaching staff, specifically when you have the Dunlap situation, at some point you need the, the players to have success and not just success until the clock reaches zero and you, you lose again. Mm. Real success. And I think the Titans of those three games over the past three weeks, Colts, Browns, Titans, the Titans are the best of the bunch. Mm. And so the fact that the Bengals – we're able to overcome the in-week trade of Dunlap, the, the Friday drama with Ross, and they come out and play their best game of the season and, and overcome three injuries to the offensive line. Oh, wait, nope, four, because Michael Jordan, a late scratch on Sunday morning. It was uh, a testament to, to the players in that locker room, certainly the coaching staff as well. And uh, the, the thing that stood out to me, it's kind of crazy because Joe Burrow's a rookie, but we kind of expect him to play well. Like it's, it's just gotten to that point, and I expected him to play well even though the offensive line was shorthanded. But the two things that surprised me most were the fact that the offensive line played at such a high level and kept him upright and open lanes for Geo. I mean, Geo's first two runs get 15 yards. That's, that's a great start, right? And that, that's a way to, to really establish yourself against an opponent that is expecting to go far in the playoffs. And not just that, obviously the defense as well, the bend not break philosophy that, uh, that they employed and, and Luana Rumo, certainly his game plan worked. And uh, I think his seat was getting a little hot there as well. So overall, I think it was a, a much needed win against a team that is going to probably go to the playoffs, potentially win that division. And you got to feel really good a, a, about where they're at. And I, I think the guys do right now. Let's just go back to 
uh, something that me and Nathan were discussing on the podcast before you came on. And it's the offensive line. We're trying to put our finger... I don't think I've ever seen anything like that, you know, not least, as you mentioned, uh, you know, what, three, four, how many, four starters out, and then Jordan goes down on the day of the game. I don't think anybody's ever seen that before. And with such a maligned group as well as that offensive line, how did they do it? Was it game planning? Was it coaching? Was it was it a mixture of everything? I'm still scratching my head to try and figure out how they did that, how they it, how they reached that level of competence. It was it was a perfect storm, in a good way. I mean, it, it really was because you're right. It, it it was all things. It was Burrow and his ability to to maneuver in the pocket, and 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 make plays in space and elude defenders and avoid sacks, which he did on that amazing is the best six yard run I've ever seen in my life, on that third and ten that he had where he made about 50 defenders miss. But not just that. Zach Taylor deserves credit and Brian Callahan for their play calling and offensive game plan because they knew going in they would be shorthanded. Um, I think Jim Turner deserves credit because he had these guys ready to go. Uh, Akeem Adeniji held his own. And there were times he lost against Jadavian Clowney, but you can take that. You'll deal with that. But overall, I, I think he played really well considering it was his first NFL start. He's a sixth-round pick probably shouldn't be in an NFL game this season and should just be taking it in and developing. Well, they threw him out there in a big spot and he responded uh, to Quentin Spain, you know, a, a guy who literally practiced Friday, signed Friday, and is out there playing 85% of the snaps on Sunday. So those guys deserve a ton of credit. Uh, I, I don't really think anyone can explain it. I think it was so many factors. Of course, the Titans pass rush isn't the best in the league. Zach Taylor deserves credit for the the play calling and the game plan. Joe Burrow is clearly special. But it was a mixture of all of those things, of the offensive line playing well and exceeding expectations, Burrow, the game plan, and then the Titans as well. You know, they certainly had a hand in that of just not being able to get to the passer. And I know that's a big, big topic right now mm. in Nashville is the fact that they uh, that they couldn't get to the passer. And they traded for secondary help on Monday too. So the Bengals uh, – they, uh, they left an imprint and left a mark on the Titans. And I think it's, it was a full team effort. I know it's cliche, but that was a, a really good win. And, and it all hands on deck when it came to the offense and the way they were able to have success against a really, really good team in the Titans. I mean, offensive line aside, mm -hmm. should, should we be surprised by this win? Because a lot of people out there saying that um, – you know, leave the Dunlap situation and the locker room stuff aside. This, this team has been threatening this for the past couple of weeks, haven't they? No doubt. No doubt about it. And they should have won. I mean, they, they should have beat the Colts. And I'll continue to say that. They should have beat the Browns. And that's the thing is, if they had won either of those games, I don't think this would have been as much of a surprise. But the fact that they didn't. Mm. and then you go into this game and you're shorthanded up front and you do have that drama, which you can look at it as addition by subtraction or drama that's a distraction in the locker room. So you really weren't sure how things were going to play out there. And so the fact that they were able to do it, I mean, this is Zach Taylor's first win against a winning opponent, right? Against a team that had an over 500 record mm. and a really quality win, a team that was in first place. So, 
I don't know if they would, how many they would win if they played a, a series of 10 games, but the, the fact that they came out that way for the third straight week is huge. And, and Paul, the interesting thing to me about this team, you, you mentioned they could potentially have won these past couple of weeks and should we have seen this coming. It's crazy the starts they've gotten off to. They've outscored their last three opponents, Colts, Browns, now Titans, 31-3 to in the first quarter. They were up 21-0 on the Colts. I believe it was seven to three against the Browns and then three nothing and eventually 10 nothing in the second quarter against Tennessee. So they're getting off the great start. So maybe we shouldn't be surprised. Um, but but I, I certainly was and pleasantly surprised. It was nice to see a win at Paul Brown Stadium on Sunday. Um, what does this do going forward? Is this, I mean, the trick now is to keep it going. Now, obviously, we played arguably the, the, the NFL's best team, which pains me to say it, but it. The, the Steelers, who look, uh, you know, different gravy on all sorts of levels, really. Um, what is is it almost like a free hit, a free swing against the Steelers, really? Because we're not expected to win that. Um, but then there's there there is a sequence of very winnable games against the Giants and Washington and Dallas and Miami's in there as well, although they're playing much better than expected this year um is is it i guess what i'm trying to say is consistency is now has got to be the key right it's got to it can't just be a one-off it has to continue no doubt no doubt and and that's the key here is we've seen it all season i mean they should have four or five wins right now the chargers game the eagles game uh the the colts game and and then the browns game right so that's four that I could think of, and I think I got them all. Uh, outside of the Ravens in week five, I believe it was, and the yeah. Browns week two, those are all winnable games. And even if you win half of the, those losses or, or ties uh, yeah. when you talk about the Eagles, then yeah. So that's absolutely what they need to do is, is find a way to piece this together. You mentioned the Steelers. I think it's a game you can go into it and people can go into it. Oh, it's a measuring stick game. I think it's kind of the opposite. You go into it with nothing to lose mm. and just, all right, Zach, unload the playbook. You, you got a cool fake to use. You, you want to go for it on fourth and six on your first drive at the 47, do it. You know, if you, you really feel good about it, right? And, and you take those chances and, and you have the, you know, maybe the flea flicker or the, the crazy play that, you know, you save up your sleeve for a rainy day. Well, November 15th is the rainy day at Heinz Field. I don't know what the weather's going to be like, but that's, that's what I would do. And, and I think that, who knows, maybe you do catch them. I think they're going to blow out Dallas regardless this week of, of who's at quarterback, whether it's Andy Dalton or the rookie. And, and then they're going to come in at home against the Bengals undefeated, 8-0. Mm. And they're going to think that they're going to steamroll you. And, and, and so – that's house money. But you're right. After that, as long as you can keep Burrow upright, because I know fans have been dreading that Steelers defense, and it is going to be a real challenge, and no one's going to expect you to win. But after that, they are winnable games. And out of that four-game stretch, I think it's reasonable for this Bengals team to win three of them. I don't think you can say, all right, win four in a row. I just don't think they're consistent enough. Mm. I think they're young. I still think they're flawed in enough areas. But Burrow can keep you in any game. I think that's clear right away. Like he's, he's just that good and you have the weapons around him. This offense is good enough to beat Washington. This offense is good enough 
to beat the Giants. This why uh, this offense is good enough to even beat Miami, a, a pretty good, well-coached Miami team. Um, and, and I certainly like their chances against Dallas, the way Dallas is struggling right now. So win three or four there, and suddenly you're in gear and you're, you're feeling pretty good about yourselves going into the, the final quarter of the season, mm. or final three games of the season it would be at that point. So we'll see. And, and then that's the rematch, by the way, with Pittsburgh. And I believe that's a Monday night game, if I'm not mistaken. So you're going to get two measuring sticks in between four really, really winnable games. And I think they're, that at least for this first matchup, it's, it's house money. And with Joe Burrow, you always have a shot. You just got to keep him upright, which is much easier said than done against the Steelers. Just a quick question about Joe Burrow. I mean, there's lots of superlatives being. I mean, we love him, and just it's just it's just <laughs> incredible to watch the accuracy. For me, is breathtaking. Um, what is the one thing that you've seen that's either surprised you or confirmed what you thought about him? What what's that one thing that's just made you go, yeah, this guy? is going to be the one going forward for the next decade. Oh, man. I See, the problem is, and it's not a problem, it's a good thing. Yeah. There isn't just one thing. Right. I mean, you're right. The accuracy stands out. His his anticipation, his leadership. Uh, go, going back to draft night, right? I, I, I've just taken this gig like three weeks, four weeks prior, and it's draft night, and I've heard about Joe Burrow, and you knew he was going number one for months, and he goes number one, and you could feel it. We're on a Zoom right now you could feel his leadership mm. through a Zoom call. <laughs> and he had just done a, a bunch of different interviews, had been interviewed by ESPN, and then spends about 30 to 35 minutes with the local media. And it was like, whoa, this dude is just different. Yeah. And I felt that throughout the process. And I think his teammates have, uh, most of them which hadn't met him until late July, early August. And so that that part is, I don't want to dismiss that. And I know everyone talks about it, but that's very real, his leadership. And the other thing that makes him, I think, special, because there are accurate quarterbacks out there. Mm. You saw it, you really saw it on Sunday too. His ability to maneuver in the pocket and his instinct and feel. There was one play where he faked like he was going to run, stopped, backed up in the pocket, and I think he hit Tyler Boyd, mm. I want to say. Uh, the, the other one where he threw with such anticipation, he's moving around and he throws the ball before Tyler flips his shoulder. Yeah. And, and it was on the, the final touchdown drive yeah. on that third, I think it was third and nine. And he throws it. Boyd has no idea the ball is coming. And he just trusts Boyd enough and, and it's in the perfect spot. So mm -hmm. just that playmaking ability, that knack to extend plays, the, the, even the throw. Everyone talks about T. Higgins' catch, which was phenomenal. The toe tapper on the sideline. But that throw is just amazing. And I thought he was throwing it away. And, in fact, he was just throwing it to the, the one spot T could get it. So he's just – he's great. And you can tell it. And you just – the only concern would be that, that he's got to try to overcome all of these things, this offensive line and a poor defense. And you can't fix everything this year, certainly. But, but you hope that this offseason they're able to do some of those things. Because I think Joe Burrow's ready to win right now. Mm. Not, not next year or the year after. Right now. And that's uh, that's really really rare for a rookie quarterback. Yeah, I think I think I agree. I think the window has been opened slightly, just to let a bit of air in, increase a bit of ventilation. And I, but I think with each month and each week, that window is going to be just pushed outwards a little bit. Um, we're recording this in the UK, coming up to eleven o'clock on Monday night. 
we've got the trade deadline. You're you're a fine one, young man, for uh, predicting who the Bengals, well, at least uh, saying who the Bengals should go for and trades and all that kind of stuff. Are you expecting any movement at all? Should we be expecting Ross to be out the door? Should we be expecting any? What's your sense? I know Zach had a. Uh, press conference a little while, a couple of hours ago. Um, what's the sense? Is there any any activity in the front office at the moment? I would hope so. I, I, I certainly would. And as far as, you know, big trades, guys that I throw out there, you know, I, I'll admit, obviously it's a long shot. But but I, I think back to the offseason and free agency back in March and when they were really pushing it. Mm. And we've kind of reached unprecedented territory. We could say same old Bengals. Well, we don't really know if that's the case. And mm-hmm. so I do think that this trade deadline is interesting from that standpoint. I also think that they should move Ross. It's, mm-hmm. He's rotting on the bench. He's unhappy. They're, they're clearly – they've moved on, and that's okay. It's, it's, sometimes it doesn't work out, and you can move on in relationships and work and whatever, and, and this didn't work out. So take the seventh rounder or the conditional sixth rounder. And I do think, despite what some are saying, I do think that there are offers – that are going to come in for Ross between now and Tuesday's trade deadline at 4 p.m. Eastern. And the Bengals should take it. They shouldn't be stubborn. Um, mm. As far as some other players, look, how can you make this team better right now and beyond? So if there's any anyone that can make life easier on Joe Burrow in 2020 and 2021 and 2022, and you can get them at a reasonable price, a reasonable bounty, depending on what the trade cost is, well, then I'm in, whether it's a tight end or an offensive lineman or maybe it's a defensive lineman that, that you, you really covet or, or are looking at. I'm on board. And, and, and the other part of that about building around Burrow, is being willing to part with some of these veterans and accumulate assets that you can either flip in other trades later or draft young players with. So uh, I certainly hope they're active. I hope they entertain even a guy like A.J. Green. I hope they listen to offers. I'm not giving him away for a sixth or a seventh. But what if the Saints come and offer you a second or a third mm. or the Packers? Well, th- then you should listen because you, you never know. So that's where I'm at. I, I just want them to be open to deals. The only trade I really see and I do think is going to happen is John Ross because it just makes sense for both sides. Mm. Outside of that, flip a coin. Who knows? Well, we shall have our eyes on Sports Illustrated and listen to Locked On. Uh James, uh, thank you so much for the time. Uh, I know it's been a very busy day for you, so we do appreciate it. It's great to talk to you again. Uh, he is James Rapine, at James Rapine on Twitter. And once again, James, it's great to catch up with you, man. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. It was fun. I hope we get to talk soon. There we go. There was the hardest working man in Cincinnati media, James Rapine. It's always good to have him. It's been a while, actually, since he's been on, so we can't thank him enough. And um, without further ado, I think it's time to go to our correspondence because it's a different story here in our Twitter mentions today. Would you believe that, Nathan? Mate, I'm not surprised. It's been, it's been a war and peace of anger and <laughs> really the rest of it on the Bengals. So this week, I'm quite excited to see what we've got. I'll uh, tell you what we've got. We've got Andrew Dockerell at Dockers77. Wow, didn't see that coming. Spain and Adenergy both played nice games, especially Spain. Didn't even realise he was eligible yet. How many QBs would you want to start a franchise above Burrow? Special talent, 
slowly, the pieces are coming together and dare we say, momentum. Do you know what, Andrew? I think we do dare to say that. There's nothing wrong in that. They've just got to kind of play consistently. And of course, they're playing a very good team uh, next up with a ferocious pass rush. Uh, you know, a very efficient offense. Um, yeah, that's going to be the real test. And uh, it's going to be interesting. Uh, Bianco Verde, that's Bianco Verde. A, Solid and A makeshift O-line made up with a rookie, backups and a guy just signed this week. Protected Joe Burrow like their lives depended on it. Zero sacks. Unbelievable. Immensely proud of the whole team, but that unit in particular. Jesse Bates is legit. P. Ryan blitz protection on point. And we should mention P. Ryan. He had a really good game yesterday and I've been impressed with him. Absolutely. Memphis Soul Stew at Stuart Baird, 688. Hopefully those returning from injury will have to earn their way back into the starting lineup. Wow, this is this is the um this is the this is the question, isn't it? I mean, as you said, there's depth, there's competition, it's gonna be interesting to see. I mean I think as I say, I think Quentin Spain is nailed on starter, really. He has to be. He looked really good yesterday. Uh Andy Bennett at Bennett Carew. Thoughts they played all four quarters instead of passages against a good team. Joey B didn't get touched. I'm very confused, but I'll enjoy the bye week and a fortnight without a loss. Exactly right. Uh, Ken Davies at Ken Davies. Magnificent F. Magnificent F. Uh, shows we can outgun. That was Welsh, sorry. Um, supposed to be anyway. Shows we can outgun many offences. As long as the defence shows up, we've always got a great chance of winning. Big shout out to Gio and P. Ryan. We haven't missed Mixon at all. Good balance to the offence. Outstanding wide receiver room. Uh, Steve at Mulligan, 5-2-3. Does Spain playing well look more or less favourable on Jim Turner's development of Michael Jordan and Shaq Calhoun? Uh, yes, I believe that it is less favourable. Um, it's an interesting one, isn't it? Lots of people kind of say, well, you know, Jim Turner's going to bring back his guys because, you know, but they're all kind of his guys, aren't they? I mean, Jonah is. They drafted him. Uh, Hopkins, they sort of transformed into a centre. Bobby Hart definitely is. Fred Jont. They're all, you know, even Alex Redmond, who was a Marvin guy, um, you know, they, he loves... Turner loves Alex Redmond, doesn't he? So, I don't know. I think they're all Jim Turner's guys, aren't they? Apart from maybe Billy Price. Yeah, I think I think so. And like we said earlier, I think it's exciting now to see the depth there. It's not as clear-cut who the starters are. I think Jonah Williams is probably, the, if healthy, <laughs> the most nailed-on starter you've got. Um, and if you look at those PFF grade Bobby Art, but it's, it's exciting times to have the depth behind... That line, um, and I for Jim Turner, pick your best guys, man. Like we want to see this continue. If we can keep Joe Burrow like he has been the last couple of weeks, whether that's scheming it the right way, whether it's just quality protection and opening the running game up, whatever it might be, let's see. Um, let's see if that momentum can hold on the O line. There'll be exactly the same game plan and scheme this week against the Steelers. He's Burrow's going to be. Out of shotgun a lot. They're going to get the ball out as quickly as possible because, as I say, TJ Watt and Stephon Chewett and Cameron Haywood 
are just relentless and very good, very, very scary players. And then you add in Bud Dupree and who's the yeah, Devin Bush. I don't know if he's fit or not at the moment, but you know they're you know and a good secondary. God, it's actually giving me the shakes. Um, Duncan Yeadon at Slam Dunk the Funk. Solid handle. Whilst the result was pleasing yesterday, let's not get carried away as the squealers will provide a real test. But it will be nice to give them the first loss. Congratulations on surpassing 5,500 followers. Well on the way to being the number one NFL account in the UK. Not sure about that, Duncan. We've got a lot of catching up to do from the Jags. But yes, we have uh, stormed past 5,500 followers. So thank you to everyone that supported us and continues to do so. I think this might actually be a fun final part of the season, don't you? I reckon we'll give the Steelers a big game, you know. I reckon bring them on. I reckon it'd be a good game. If we play like we have the last two games, yeah, it'd be tight, that will. I, there's a big old school rivalry there, and it's the first time Joe Boy's playing the Steelers. And if he knows anything about the Bengals and the rivalry and how that thing looks... I want him to go in there. I used to love the Bengals Steelers rivalries when they were really nasty and people were throwing punches at each other and people were on the field. And it was, at one point, it was one of the most disgraceful rivalries in sport. And I want it back. I want us to go in there and punch them in the mouth. Um, Did you see this? I want there to be penalties, fines. I want there just to be a really ugly game of football that we win on a blown call or something. And. Ben Roethlisberger's fuming and he's taking a big shot to the ribs. I want to see it all, mate. I, Once I'm again, really we don't... We I, actually, <laughs> I actually fancy us to maybe beat him. All right, well, we'll talk I about... I really do. All right, really all right. Us. We can't condone injuring other players on this Not podcast. injuring, not injuring, but just a big shot. Like, mm. you know, I want him to get up from it, but I want, to, I want, I want some hard hits and... It'd be a really like a big old game, you know, a big old fashion game. America. You want, you just want to sign Vontez Perfect back for just oh, mate, this I'd game. Vontez in, just this I'd game. Bring him in for the game, Let just so lose. he can roll all over Ben Roethlisberger again. <laughs> <laughs> um, maybe someone could do a Javon Wims. Is that his name, Javon Wims? Did you see that Chicago guy who smacked that? Um, New Orleans Saints, uh, Chauncey Gardner, I think his name is. Tasty little fight, that, wasn't it? Well, it wasn't really a fight. Well, it just kind of, it was weird. D- do we know why he did that? Because he went round, pulled now, I his... I think something happened on the play before, but right, I don't okay. know what. But he pulled his sort of gum sheet out, by the looks of it, and then punched him upside the head, as the phrase goes. The guy was standing there going, what, what did you just do? And then he smacked him again, and then all hell breaks. It was kind of comical, but also, what what is going on? Very weird. Uh, it's funny I- you should say that, because I remember being on Kentish Town High Street a few years ago, <laughs> and a man I was with had a, a similar altercation with a policeman that ended in a suplex. Yeah, um, yeah. <laughs> and I always wondered why that happened, but we, I guess we'll never we'll, know. We'll never know. We'll never know. One night I'll get drunk and tell you. Uh, about that guy <laughs> that uh, I didn't know. Uh, Pete Brook at Brook underscore Pete. Chapeau to the whole organisation. So pleased for them. Now can this constant bitch whining stop? Fed up of armchair quarterbacks lurching from one crisis to the next. Reminding me of a chicken licking. And the sky is falling in. We're a young team and a young coaching staff. 
There'll be mistakes, but let them get on with the job they're paid to do. What I do know is they know more than us, so let's get behind them. That's what supporters do. And finally, relax and enjoy the ride. There we go. That's fighting talk, Pete. I like it. Um, right, um, let's play. Uh, first and ten. Well, here we go then. It's the final first and ten of this first series. We've had 11 mini instalment stroke episodes, one of which was the Chasers Paul Sinner. And I wanted to leave this man right to the end because I genuinely didn't think that we were going to get uh, a one-question touchdown. But we did, of course. So uh, I was expecting this next gentleman to get it. It's uh, your friend and mine, Jamie Rowe. Jamie, hello. Hello, how are you, Paul? Yeah, I'm all right. I'm all right. Now, as I mentioned, we've already had a, a, a one-question touchdown in this series before. So, unfortunately, you can't beat it, but uh, you can equal it. I wanted to leave Jamie right to the end because I know that he takes quizzing very seriously. Would you like to tell listeners which television quiz you've been on before? So I have been on 15 to 1. Um, I tried to get on Mastermind and basically my, my uh, whole quiz career has been things working against me um, as I've tried to get onto things. So I tried to get onto Mastermind, but I uh, caught bronchitis oh. um, when they called in for, for doing an audition. And then I tried to get on Pointless, uh, but the person I was going on Pointless with uh, moved to India. <laughs> Oh. So um, it all it all went very wrong, sort of, uh, quite quickly. But now you're on first and ten, so you know, yeah. you, good things come to those who wait, Jamie. That's what I'm yes, saying. Yes, indeed. Yes, indeed. Uh, okay, let's play first and ten. You must know the rules by now. Uh, you have 12 questions uh, from which to score a touchdown. You start at your own 20-yard line. And uh, an easy question is five yards. Uh, an intermediate question is 10 yards. And a hard question is basically you score from anywhere on the field. So, Jamie, are you ready to go? Yes, I am. What's it going to be first up? Well, you've been hyping this um, all the way through. And I, I kind of want to go for the easy question just to um just to undercut that but right. um i can't i can't stay away from from giving you what you want um i'm gonna go for for all of it on on the first go okay we're going for the big one straight away in what modern day country was nikola tesla born right um i don't know it off uh, offhand yeah. Um, but 
I think it's sort of Nicola is in Nikolai, so I'm thinking sort of close towards Eastern Europe. Uh-huh. Um, Tesla sounds maybe Hungarian, um, maybe somewhere around there. Mm-hmm. Um, I will go with Hungary. Afraid not, it's Croatia. Ah. It's Croatia. Right, second and ten from the 20. Question two. I'm going for it again. Okay. Uh, Another hard one. Atalfo, Alfonso, and Kit are varieties of what fruit? And I'll spell Kit for you just in case it it kind of uh, sparks some recognition. K-E-I-T-T and Atalfo is A-T-A-U-L-F-O. What what varieties of fruit are they? No, I've, I've not. I've again, I've not heard of this. So, um, so all the hype is uh, is starting <laughs> to, to fizzle out, um, which seems very uh, seems very apt for a Bengals podcast. Um, <laughs> so, Atalfo, what was the first one? Atalfo, Al- Alfonso, and Kiet. So we're talking kind of um, Mediterranean-y sounding things. So I'm I'm thinking it's something down there, um, something perhaps citrusy, um, maybe. Um, I will go with. Actually, no, I'll 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 throw. Are they plums? No, they're not plums. They're mango, so but you're on the right lines there. Yeah. Okay. Third down and ten. Question three. Uh, what are you going to go for? From still on your twenty. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm. I'm still. I'm going to go for the end zone again. Okay. If you have cryophobia, what are you afraid of? I believe you're afraid of the cold. You are indeed. There we are. There go down the sideline. Bobby Hart blocks three men on his own to give Joe Burrow two seconds worth of protection. And there he goes to T. Higgins. Well done. Three questions. That's, not, that's pretty good, though. Yeah, it is. Um, I, w- I wanted to try and, try and equal um, Chris's uh, feat of, yeah. of one question, or, or at the <clears> very <throat> least uh, equal Paul Sinner's effort um, after not getting what, uh, how many... Uh, time zones there are in Canada, um, <laughs> but you know I'm I'm happy to to have done it in three goes, um, and it's it's been wonderful to be on this uh, this <laughs> groundbreaking show. <laughs> Seriously, what do you reckon? Should we keep this going? There has been some interest to to bring this back next year. Is it worth it? Do you think? I think so. Yeah, uh, it, it, it's a it's a fun little thing, and and um, you know it it, it adds. It adds something to fill five minutes of space. Exactly. Uh, which is five, five minutes uh, where you lot aren't waffling. Yeah, exactly. Well, anything that takes me and Nathan off the podcast is a good thing, I think. And also, there's not a lot of joy around at the moment with Bengals fans, so if it can pro- provide some sort of contrast, then it's a good thing, I think. Um, That's it. Well, Jamie, thanks for being uh, our final contestant in this first series of First and Ten, uh, and we'll speak to you soon. All right. Well, there we go. There was Jamie uh, finishing. Uh, we're not going to have any more first and tens until next year, but uh, we've already got a few people who are interested in in uh, coming on. So that's 11 weeks of first and ten. I hope you enjoyed them. 
and uh, a bit of Bond in there as well. Nathan, were you a fan of Sean Connery there? Not, not the biggest fan, but I've got no respect for Sean's work, Aki and not, you know. Um, yeah, just never really got into Bond. I watched a bit of it, I, you know, sort of dabbled. I could see you as the Cockney Bond there, Nathan. Sean yeah. Connery. Yes, uh, I can see he's a Cockney Bond drinking Stellas instead of Martinis and wearing moccasins instead of uh, and tight jeans instead of. Uh, <laughs> if the role's going after Daniel Craig hangs his uh, hangs his boots up, give me a call. All right, well there we go. We'll try and make it happen for you. But well done, Jamie. There's a touchdown. I think on his third question there. Touchdown's been fly- just like the Bengals' offense in recent weeks. The touchdown's been flying in on first and ten, so uh, that will be back next year. Let's carry on with our uh, correspondences. Uh, Killian at Malloy underscore double zero. A win like that was needed. Proper team performance. Offense was rolling. Defense stood up compared to the last few weeks in a couple of nice kick returns. Yeah, Brandon Wilson. That was an amazing kick return actually. Um, can't ask for much more than that. We aren't perfect, but a win like that will give us huge confidence into the Steelers' week. Um, Steve at Mulligan uh, five two three. Is we already had Steve? Yes, we'll have more Steve. Why not? We're in a happy mood. Credit ZT. Incredible game plan. Uh, I do not credit Jim Turner for Spain, who is was a cut bill this week and didn't get a snap of Bengal practice nor walkthrough when G. J- when JT's hand is forced, JT's prejudicial preferences don't get in the way. Well, there we go. Uh, Michael Smith at solid underscore handle. Solid handle. Who are we trading for this week? Now, this is we're recording this on a Monday, and it's always very difficult to kind of comment on these things because you might be listening to this on the Wednesday, the Thursday, the Friday. The Bengals might have traded for someone. The Bengals might not have. So do bear that in mind when I say I don't expect him to get anyone. Someone bringing in someone like Quinn and Williams from the Jets would be amazing. But are they going to give up a second for him? Probably not, let's face it. It would be an aggressive move. I quite like that move, actually. At least you kind of know what he's getting. Um, I don't know. Uh, The only move I I think realistically is is John Ross out of here. That's the I think realistically, let's face it. If you could get anything for Ross, I'd just take it. I think he he's not missed. We've we've not played in the last couple of weeks. The Bengals' offense has been fantastic. I think you would take anything you can get. And I think for John Ross himself, it'd be a nice move. Get him out, give him a chance. No hard feelings. He's a nice bloke. Get get him to a team that might use him. There are bound to be some teams out there that would fancy themselves as turning his career around. And they might be right. Um, I can understand the Bengals' temptation to go out there and get someone someone like a defensive tackle to. Sure up the line. I think the defence is going to be the weaker part of the team going down the stretch. But we'll probably have a top half pick next year. We need to get the right people in to support Joe Burrow. I think the Bengals are going to have a window in the next, maybe next year, might be a bit early. But certainly the year after and the year after that, they're going to have a window. And these draft picks have never been more important to get the right guys to surround him with. So I'm up for a trade, but it's got to be someone that we know is going to be here for the next two or three years and from a salary cap perspective is smart and 
can really support the team. So we know what we're building towards, and if the right guy's out there, I'd love to see it happen. But we realistically know we're going nowhere this year in terms of the playoffs and the Super Bowl. I think we can all accept that. Um, if there's a guy here for the long term, great. If not, let's build on what we've got. Maybe pick up a draft pick with John Ross and see where we end up. Agreed. Uh, Matt Gibbs at Wakey Ram. Geo is just ace, isn't he? Yes, he is, Matt. I think we're all agreed on that. Rosie agreed. at Rosie underscore May 16. Uh, that game was the best I've seen from us in a long time. The receivers were getting open. The defence was doing mostly a decent job. And how about that offensive line? They really came to prove themselves as a unit. I just hope we can keep this up as we have it in us to be great. Here, here, Rosie. Good, good stuff. I like this. Rob Hill at 3003 Rob. Superb result against a very good team. Geo, Geo has to be used when mixing returns. Boyd is the best slot receiver out there, and the stats prove that, Rob. He, we do have the NFL's number one uh, slot receiver. Primary coverage of Green frees up Boyd, and one-on-one he's deadly. Tate took his chance too, which was good to see. Defence stood up. Only three players on the O started week one. Question, I feel that we need to pick a high-quality edge rusher in the draft as well as cornerbacks and use free agency to fill the line, especially players who can perform immediately. Will Billy Price use this performance as a springboard to secure a start every week? You kind of hope so, because if he does fulfil his first-round talent, then... He's a first-round talent on the line, along with Jonah Williams, I think. And I agree. I think we are absolutely... <laughs> Bengals fans, a lot of Bengals fans won't agree with me, but I think we are more in need of a pass rusher than we are uh, a new offensive lineman. Has, haven't times changed? Because about three weeks ago, it had been there had been nothing else, no other way you could have looked. You've had Carlos on the team, Sam Hubbard was healthy, and... Obviously, now you look, it's completely transformed in the matter of a couple of weeks. But I couldn't agree with you more. That we need some youth at the position. We need people to support DJ Reader um, on that defensive line. So, absolutely, I think that's going to be a key position for us. Whether we can fill it in the free agency will be helpful. Um, but you probably need a couple of guys. I yeah, mean, I agree. Yeah, yeah. It's a mixture, I isn't think, it? Free agency drafts. Yeah, you know. Hubbard's a good rotational piece. We know Carl Lawson's a good player, but he's, a, I believe, he's a free agent at the end of the year, which is a problem. You're going to have to either pay him good money himself, or then you've got another position to fill. So, absolutely, I think if we can get that pass rush going and um, really secure that, that'll be fantastic because. The, the guy I'm excited to see, and it must be fairly soon now, is Trey Waynes. He was yes, one of our biggest yes. free agent signings. I can't believe these, you know, the Steelers in two weeks of the bye. It must be within a month away of coming back, surely. Well, they did say about November-ish. So, you know, it is November-ish now, so we'll see. Uh, Jamie, who you heard in the uh, first and ten there, at Trequart Beaster, good victory against quality opposition. I still want Zach and Lou gone. And I'm still not convinced that they they aren't holding this team back from being able to put this kind of dominant performance in every week. Shout out to Spain on debut, Viva España. Perhaps we shouldn't be as scared as we've traditionally been at going out to get pieces mid-season. Now that is a fair point, I think. Uh, Duncan at dastardly Duncan. Solid handle. Think we did great yesterday. Shows when we are bold and come out with a game plan. 
we can compete with and beat these teams. I'm giving Zach a brief reprieve because he has to keep being aggressive win or lose. Otherwise, I'll still be looking for the Bengals to move on long term. Uh, Natasha Bannister at T Bannister 808. Hello, Natasha. First time caller, I think. Welcome. First time caller. The future is bright for the Bengals. I'm so excited uh, for after the bye. Think about how many players we should have back from injury. And having two weeks to prep for Pittsburgh, it's going to be a great game. Who day? Who day to you, uh, Natasha? Uh, Matt Moon at Matt Moon. Feeling great after an unexpected win. Love to see Gio getting the TDs while also getting the blocks in too. Uh, good that we didn't concede points just before half time. That's a really good point. If yesterday is who we are, AFC North is the strongest division. Still work to do though. It would be good to see us win a, a one-score game, for example. Yes, That's a good point on the yes, AFC yeah. North as well. I think I think the Bengals really now are starting to show their stripes, and I think if they do, and you take into account the Steelers, the Ravens, the Browns are a good team. There's a probably strong argument for that being the best division in football. Oh man, honestly, if William Jackson had played against the Browns last week, we would have won that game. I've I have absolutely no doubt about it. Rashad Higgins is not getting open against uh, William Jackson. I'm sorry. Anyway, uh, not bitter about that at all. Um, Dreams of Witness at D Witness, a lovely game to watch. Really enjoyed Billy P in Spain and Auden Tate, a particular favourite. It is, sorry, just one win though. Going to stay away from the Celebration Carnival until we can stack a few wins and show some consistency, but certainly look promising. I, I think that's such a good point. And I think the we... I mean, I re- like I said, the first win for me that I've enjoyed like this in a long time, possibly for about two years, two and a half years. But we do need to keep our feet on the ground. We, like we said, Zach's got to the end of this season to prove what he's got. And I think he took a big step forward yesterday. He's got eight more games. Quite a few of those games are fairly favourable, as we talked about. Some nice games there against Washington, against the Cowboys, against the Giants, that he'll fancy himself in. Um... So it's going to be interesting going down the stretch, and we shouldn't get ahead of ourselves. We need to be we need to be positive, and there's certainly some things to be excited about. But he's got eight more games. It's going to be very, very interesting to see where he can get to at the end of the year. If we can continue making this progress, though, either way, I mean, even if Zach has a nightmare, we don't, we lose a load more games, and the Bengals decide actually he's not the guy for us. We know there's some serious talent on this team either way. So. From a fan's perspective, if all you're concerned about is winning and the future of this team, with or without Zach Taylor, I think with Joe Burrow and some of these young guys, there's reasons to be excited. And I really hope for Zach's sake, massive win for the Geezer yesterday. I hope he can build on that. I hope he can get this team to six wins at least, with the, with the tie as well, six and a half. He certainly get himself another season to build on that, get some young guys in the draft, get some young guys in free agency. I'm excited for him, and I'm I'm really happy for him yesterday. I, I'm I'm sure for him that was the biggest weight off of his shoulders that win yesterday. Agreed, Dave Cass at Come On Didier. Solid handle. Just happy with the win against tough opponents. Most of the team played well, but more importantly, no one screwed up. Nice to go to bed on a Sunday night, not feeling let down by our beloved Bengals. Oh, um, tell me about that, John Lucarotti at Living La Vida Luca. Solid handle. What fun. 
feels like the sort of win we had been coming for a while. But the Steelers game will show us where this team is really at. Consistency is all. If they can put together a competitive performance and keep it together on both sides of the ball, then we can believe. Well, I agree with that. Uh, if we beat the Steelers, I'm doing the pot hammered. I'm going to have a few pints on the pod. If we do the right. Steelers... Shall we do a... Dry, we, all right, if we do... If the Steelers lose against us, rather we beat the Steelers, um, I will join you. We'll do a drunk podcast. It might be the most horrific uh, thing. Absolutely. Like, cause especially if the Steelers are 8-0. They've got another game before they play us. So if they're 8-0, if we end their winning streak and do them on the road, oh, mate, we get some men our brayers in. And we'll get, we'll get moving. I'm getting the rum on the go if uh, we beat the Steelers, mate, I tell you. <laughs> um, however, there is a lot to look forward to. There is a bye week, but we will be back with the podcast next week. And we also will be back with our online tailgate, although we're not tailgating a, a particular game. Uh, we're going to be having a chilli cook-off uh, on Sunday. So if anybody wants to take part, we're looking for about four or five people we've got a couple of people in mind but if any of you guys out there want to take part in our chili cook-off online tailgate on sunday then do get in contact with us at whoday underscore uk on twitter and bengals uk on facebook um it will require you to come uh on to the internet television and show yourself in the kitchen doing a bit of cooking so you have been warned. Um, but yes, well, uh, lots of joy and happiness when it's very dark, almost literally, it is literally dark uh, outside and uh, it's quite dark in other figurative ways as well. So we do hope you keep safe, take all the precautions, don't be daft, don't do anything silly uh, because we want you back here and support the Bengals in full health. Uh, so, until next week, it is indeed a Who Day from me. And a Who Day from me. Cheers, guys. And it should also be noted that the views and opinions expressed within this podcast do not reflect those of the Cincinnati Bengals organisation.